0: Good morning. Y'all doing all right? Cool. My name is Marco. I serve as the preaching and teaching pastor here at Storehouse McAllen. It's a joy to be with you on Sunday morning. If you got a Bible with you, go ahead and open it up to Psalm chapter 19. Uh, that's where we're pretty much going to be parked this morning. Um, as you do that, I got a couple of things for you. Um well, not necessarily announcements, but in the midst of topical sermon series, which is what we're doing this morning, I'm gonna give you a quick review from last week in just a bit. Uh, One of the things that you're gonna notice is that we're gonna kind of go through a lot of scripture in our time. And so as I encouraged you last week, I hope that you have memorized the 66 books of the Bible so that we can just go through them quickly. Last week, we began a series, uh, a five-week series that is, titled Liturgy. And to give you kind of a quick rundown, here are the top three things for review from our time last week, in case you missed out, in case you're new, in case you, Lord willing, didn't fall asleep, but did. The first one uh, is the word Liturgy. So over the next couple of weeks, we are walking through this series titled Liturgy. And Liturgy literally means uh, the work for the people or excuse me, the work of the people, and uh, the, the idea behind liturgy is that this comes from uh, Greco-Roman culture where the citizens uh, were, or citizens were required to respond to certain responsibilities, uh, such as public service or even as intense as a call to arms or war. Uh in the history of the church, the word liturgy has been used practically as an order of service. And that typically is what it uh, tends to be. Uh, regardless of the church, everyone has a liturgy. And so the liturgy is meant to point you to the person and work of God. Additionally, liturgy is he- it's, it's designed to help you in your spiritual spiritual formation, and we'll talk more of that later on this morning. The last thing in light of our time from last week is that we began to look at the Sunday gathering and its significance. We began with the question, why does the Sunday gathering matter? And here was the conclusion of our time from last week, but this is also the thesis for the series. And that is that the Sunday gathering matters because it is the fruit of God's work marked by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Expanded upon a little bit, uh, the reason, if particularly if you are a follower of Christ, the reason that you are here is because Sunday is not only the day that Jesus rose from the dead, but because Sunday is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. In other words, uh, the res- you are the fruit of the resurrection, and that is why the Sunday gathering matters, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we would be, as the Apostle Paul says, still dead in our sin. The beauty is, and the beauty of what God teaches through his word, is that Jesus is alive, that he did rise from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and one day he will come again in glory to reclaim his bride, the church. The resurrection is, as we said, the linchpin for the Sunday gathering. There is this Great debate uh, among, I suppose, Christians on whether or not the Sunday gathering really matters as much as we think it does. And I would push you not so much to because of the worship and because of this or that, but because specifically of the resurrection. When we unpack the resurrection, then we'll determine how much we actually... um, what we believe, for instance, about the Sunday gathering. This morning, we're gonna be looking at the next part in our series. If last week, part of our time was to understand what it meant to be shaped by the Sunday gathering, this morning, we're gonna look at what it means to be shaped by specifically God's word, specifically in the context of Sunday. In a nutshell, Sunday mornings are spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is the process of worship and growth. Each of the elements that we participate in this morning are meant to point you to the person and work of Jesus Christ. For us at Storehouse McAllen, spiritual formation begins with Jesus. Therefore, the centrality of our time together is the word of God. It is the word of God that dictates and directs what we do and why we do it. In turn, it helps to spiritually form you, or you could say it this way, it helps to disciple you. As I mentioned this morning, we're going to be looking at what it means to be formed by or shaped by the Word of God. And just as I did a couple of weeks ago when we were at work uh, starting up this series, uh, I mentioned to you last week that I asked several people the question, why does the Sunday morning gathering uh, matter? And we got a lot of interesting answers. All good answers, correct answers, but not necessarily complete. This week it was the same thing. Why should you, and here's the question I would pose for you, why is it important for you to be shaped by the Word of God? Why is it important for you to be formed by the Word of God? Specifically in the context of the Sunday gathering. This week's answers, not going to lie, they were, they were way better. Good job, those of you who answered, right? I'm looking at you, right? Good job. They were a lot more specific. They were theologically aligned, like correct, uh, but incomplete. Anyway, they were good. They were really, really good. <clears throat> When we look at the Word of God, one of the things that we're doing is, again, answering how is it going to shape us? One of the main elements of our worship service that is in danger today is the preaching of God's Word. In our day, people will leave a church if the preaching is weak, or ironically, people will stay because the preaching is weak. Preachers have the privilege of proclaiming the message of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but sadly, not many do that. In our time this morning, we're gonna look at three things, three big sections. We're gonna look at why it is important for us to be shaped by the word of God. We're gonna look at how the word of God is formative for you and I. And we're gonna look at where the formation of God's word is primarily expressed. So what I'd like to do is uh, read Psalm 19 and then I'll pray and then we'll dig into our time. We're gonna begin in verse seven and I'm gonna end Uh, I'm going to end in verse 11. The psalmist says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Lord, as we come before you this morning, we ask that you would reveal yourself to us. We ask that you would meet us where we are with the grace of your word. We ask that you would reveal and expose our hearts through your word this morning. Lord, we have nothing to offer you but ourselves this morning. Therefore, may your word be a delight, sweeter than honey and more precious than gold. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be present among us and at work within us for your glory and our good. We ask this in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen. Beginning with the first question, why is it important to be formed by the Word of God? That's gonna be the question that we're gonna unpack this morning, and that's where we're gonna find the main idea of our time for this morning. As I mentioned earlier, spiritual formation is the process by which we are growing in our understanding and worship of the Lord Jesus. Formation in general is incredibly important, even though it may be something you never think about. The truth, however, is that all of the decisions we are making, big and small, on a daily basis, are shaping us to be the kind of people that we are. The same is said about the word of God. That is, when we engage God in his word, we are being formed or shaped by what he tells us as he meets us where we are. And while it is important to worship the Lord privately, it is also important to worship the Lord publicly, particularly through the word being preached Here's why. Here's the main idea. The main idea to the question, why is it important to be formed by the word of God? It is important because the word of God is the primary means by which God reveals himself to his church. I'll say that one more time. The word of God is the primary means by which God reveals himself to church to his church. Often, whether in public or private worship, I often hear a couple of things. I often hear or am asked about learning about God's will for your life. People would say, Pastor, I just want to know what God's will for my life is. Many of you have even run into that question throughout your time. I just want to know what God would have me to do. I just want to know what it means for the future, I'm often asked, and as much as I enjoy it, because I do enjoy and love helping and pastoring our church, I often get asked about clarity on decisions or circumstances, or I'm often asked on why it is that we are kept by Jesus and His grace. And the truth to all of these questions, while completely welcomed, the truth about all of these questions are clearly articulated in the pages of Scripture. In a season where information is soaring, tensions are high, divisions are blatant, and many in the church have their eyebrows raised, we need more Bible and not less. We need more Bible, not less. And it is not simply to fill our heads with knowledge, but because the word of God is the primary means by which God reveals himself to the church and pours his grace out onto his people. Therefore, let us consider how the word of God is formative That's the second part of our time. How is the word of God formative for you and I? The psalmist teaches us this in Psalm 19 and provides us with six ways in which the word of God is formative for the Christian. And what I want you to see in this section is a progression in the life of the believer as a result of the word of God. Beginning with verse seven, the psalmist says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving for the soul, or reviving the soul. The first way in which the word of God is formative is through revival. The psalmist begins with revival. Now, we can look at revival in in one of two ways. The first being revival in the sense that the Holy Spirit revives our spiritual dryness. That's something we're gonna look at a little bit later. The second way in which uh, we are revived is in the sense of becoming spiritually alive. That is, it is through the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit that our hearts are regenerated. That at one point, yes, we are all physically alive, but at that one point, we were all spiritually dead. But God, through his word and the work of the Holy Spirit, has made us spiritually alive. That we have been regenerated. Listen to God through the Apostle Paul as he writes to Titus. This is chapter three, beginning in verse four. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. In a nutshell, what he is saying is that we are all physically alive but born spiritually dead and it is through Jesus, through faith in Christ alone that takes us from a place of being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. It is by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, upon which we are saved. The Apostle Paul this by saying it was not done by something in you. It is not because of your intellect. It is not because of your strength. In fact, those things, while good gifts for you, was not what saved you. Nothing but the mercy of God is what saved you. So how is the word of God formative for the individual and in particular the believer? Through revival? The Christian is living proof of that. The second way in which the word of God uh, is formative is through wisdom. The psalmist continues, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You can have knowledge but lack wisdom, but you can't have wisdom and lack knowledge The next step, if you will, is that through the word of God, we are made wise. Now, when I say that we are made wise, this isn't implying that we just don't do anything and all of a sudden we receive wisdom, but that as we read and are governed by the word of God and apply what God has revealed to us, we grow in exercising wisdom. It is through ordinary people that God preaches an extraordinary message. To the Corinthian church, the Apostle Paul says, this message is foolish, yet God uses it and delights in saving sinners. He uses the simple and makes them wise. Number three, joy The psalmist says, this is verse eight, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The word of God in the simplest terms brings joy to our hearts. Now, this joy is not the result of circumstance, but status, the joy that the Christian walks in is not always necessarily based on happiness or circumstance because those two things are fleeting and ever changing. But joy is rooted in status. It is rooted in status, that is that at one point, not only were we spiritually dead and now we are spiritually alive, but to press deeper, at one point we were lost, and now we are found. At one point we were orphaned, now we are called sons and daughters. At one point you were rejected, now you have been adopted into the family of God. It is a status that you can't change. It is a status that is, has the, the seal of authenticity by the Holy Spirit residing in the Christian. That's what it means uh, when the psalmist says that the word of God brings joy to our hearts. It is a joy that we have been given through Christ and are sustained by through the grace of his word. Number four, the word of God is enlightening. He writes, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The word of God illuminates our understanding, yes, but it illuminates our understanding so that we would look at the world and culture through the lens of the gospel, not the other way around. When we look at, uh, for instance, uh, the gospel through the lens of culture and the world, we confuse our faith. We confuse ourselves. But what the Word of God does is, yes, it enlightens our eyes, it illuminates it, because through the Holy Spirit, the scales have fallen off, and now we can look at the world and culture through the lens of the gospel. Our convictions are rooted in the Word of God and by the Word of God, not your truth. That's where it gets dangerous. Number five, it endures forever. He goes on to say, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous Altogether, The word of God not only endures because it is the narrative of Jesus saving sinners, but because the word of God is pure, undefiled, and inerrant. It is sufficient. We're gonna talk a little bit more about this one in a bit. But the word of God is sufficient for the Christian. Whether you believe that or not is something different. Number six, he goes on to say, number six is the word of God protects us and is worth pursuing. Here's what he says, more to be desired. This is actually gonna take us through verse 13. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Here it is. Moreover, by them, that is God's word, by them is your servant warned. And keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. By the word of God, the sinner is warned about who they are outside of Christ they are warned about the danger of their sin. And they are provided with the truth about Jesus. So if you are a Christian, the word of God puts that on the table for you so that you and I are without excuse. So that you and I can't say, well, I just didn't know about that. It is through the word of God that we are warned, that we are made aware of the condition of our hearts. It is through the word of God that we are exposed. Additionally, it is through the word of God that the repentant sinner will find a great reward in pursuing God through his word. A couple of weeks ago, we finished 2 Timothy. That's one of the last things the Apostle Paul tells young Timothy. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I await my crown. But it's not just me, it is everyone who believes. So, what's the reward that you receive? It's Christ Himself. It is the eternal presence of Jesus one day. If we are to be shaped by the word of God, then we must actually begin with the word of God. So, moving on to the third section. Where is the formation of God's word expressed primarily in the church? Well, the primary method of God revealing himself through his word is by the preaching or proclamation of his word. Throughout history, God has sent preachers in an effort to proclaim the kingdom, repentance, and bring about revival. We can look at the Old Testament prophets. What was their job? To preach repentance. Repent and turn. We could look at the person of Jesus. Jesus says in Luke four, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well for I was sent for this purpose. Yes, God sent Jesus into human history to die on behalf of sinners and one of the other things he does is preach. We can look at the Apostle Paul preaching to the Gentiles, planting churches, installing other pastors like good old Timothy. And this is what he tells him in 1 Timothy 4 until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Throughout history, God has sent preachers to preach repentance and the good news of the kingdom and to preach revival. We don't only have to look at the pages of Scripture, we could actually look into history. The 16th century Protestant Reformation brought about revival in the church primarily through the preaching of God's Word. Not enough in the 18th century. Also, this section known as the Great Awakening where the Spirit of God dropped upon the people of God through the preaching of God's Word. In the pages of history and certainly throughout the, uh, the pages of Scripture, the primary means by which, uh, or the primary method by which God reveals Himself through His Word is through the preaching of Of his word. And so with that being said, I want to look at three reasons. I don't know what else to say. Three reasons, three truths, three things. I don't like using the word thing. Sounds basic. I want to look at three reasons on how, or maybe why, the word proclaimed matters. We're talking specifically about the preached word. Here's the first reason because exposition matters. Exposition matters. Here's what Dr. Stephen Lawson writes about preaching God's Word and certainly expositional preaching. That is, when we go verse by verse and we park on it, we take as much as we can from that. We're looking at the rest of Scripture to help interpret that. This is what he says. Such preaching necessitates declaring the full counsel of God in Scripture. The entire word must be expounded. No truth should be left untaught. No sin unexposed. No grace unoffered. No promise undelivered. exposition matters because it helps to guard sound doctrine the preacher's responsibility is to shepherd the flock of God that he has been entrusted with by feeding them sound doctrine directly from God's word for the edification of the church my job is to preach scripture not your opinions number two The preaching, actually this isn't number two, this is all under exposition. The preaching of God's word should be marked with the truth about God in Christ. It should involve a call to repentance and the grace of God that saves and sustains sinners. I want to tell you everything about the word of God, but I also want to tell you that God meets you where you are with his grace. one of the other ways in which exposition helps is by guarding the pulpit. Even though we have a music stand, you get what I mean. (laughs) The pulpit is to be protected by called and qualified men who will preach God's word soundly and biblically. This pulpit is not a a place for celebrity pastors. Now, here's what I'd like to say about that even in the context of our church, which let me preface with this, I love our church. I love our church, 100%. I love our church. However, if we're gonna have a, a, a one on 80 talk, uh, at times when I have said that I will not be preaching, whether it's so that I can join my family for worship and sit under the teached word, or because I'm out of town, attendance drops. Now, that says something either about what you view about me, which is probably very unhealthy, and or it says something about what you believe about the Sunday gathering. I want you here because the resurrection matters. Not me, but the resurrection. Therefore, when we back off when our favorite preacher isn't around, it says something about what we believe about the resurrection. It says something about what we believe about our church. The pulpit is so that the word of God would be proclaimed because it is the authority of the word, it is the authority of God. What is your job in that? I want you to listen to Acts 17. I'll give you a little bit of context after I read it. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. These were individuals who are part of a church plan, and they're hearing the word of God preached, and they're so excited, but at the same time, they are making sure that what the preachers or the apostles are preaching are coming directly from scripture, And so when we see here Luke write in Acts 17 that they are examining the scriptures daily, they are making sure that what is being preached is biblical. Your job is to examine the scriptures daily to make sure what is being preached is biblical. So the first reason as to why the word proclaimed on Sunday matters is because of exposition. The second reason is because of worship and sanctification, Because the word of God is central to our worship service, I hope that you understand that the transitions we have and the order that we have or the order that we walk by is meant to point you to the person and work of Jesus. Our liturgy is not so that we're cool and trendy. It is so that we would direct your hearts and minds to the person, character, and work of Jesus. There is a reason Eric begins every Sunday with the word of God. That means as soon as you get to your seat, he wants to point you and direct your heart to the character of God. There's a reason he brings up scripture in the midst of the worship service or in the midst of the music so that you would be reminded, guided, and discipled to look at the person and work of Jesus. The word of God, it is central to our worship. Additionally, because the word of God is central to our worship, it also sanctifies us by exposing the condition of our hearts I get these very kind and generous comments sometimes uh, you'll walk up to me and I'll hear something like pastor that was a, that was a good sermon uh, and This you really convicted me that's something, something to that extent you really convicted me when you said X Y and Z and those of you who have done that know I'm really awkward about those kinds of compliments and I just say praise God and run away but here's what I want you to know in light of that I did not convict you that was the Holy Spirit. I'm just a bearded tool preaching, all right? The Holy Spirit is the one who is uh, uh, exposing your heart. And so sometimes I get that when people say, Man, you really convicted me here? What do I do? I'm, what is the Spirit telling you to do? Maybe you should start with repentance, all right? That's what God's word says. Don't get mad at me. <clears throat> The word of God exposes the condition of our hearts. The idea of us being convicted is so that we would not walk around unaware of our sin and disobedience. It's like, no te hagas. You got convicted, ya sabes por qué. You know why, right? Listen to Hebrews 4. This is verses 11 and 12. Here's what the author says. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. If uh, you, you're taking notes, disobedience is a big word. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. Verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Verse 12 not only tells us what the word of God does, it is also the why behind verse 11. Let me read verse 11 one more time. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. In verse two of Hebrews four, the author tells us what the people of God's disobedience was. And it's one word, disbelief. That they disbelieved because the word of God was not profitable for them. And so here he is warning us so that we don't fall into the same disbelief. Let me tell you what the word of God does. And what the word of God does is that it expose and discerns the intentions of our heart because it pierces through our soul. So the word proclaimed on Sunday matters. Why? Because of worship and sanctification. Number three, the last one, discipleship. We've talked a great deal about discipleship, particularly as we walk through 2 Timothy. The preaching of God's word is so that you would be encouraged, exhorted, sanctified, and discipled so that you would do all of that to one another so that you would encourage one another, so that you would exhort one another, so that you would disciple one another, and so that you would proclaim the gospel to those who don't know Jesus. Yes, you are being shaped by the word of God on Sunday, but it doesn't end here. You are being shaped by the word of God so that it would be carried out by you throughout the week. Jesus says it this way to his disciples, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now, whether we do that or not is something else. Therefore, I'd like to park here for a little bit. And by parking here, I want to read another piece of scripture. This is Hebrews 5, uh, verses... 12 through 14. Here's what the author says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by, here it is, constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You are being shaped by the word of God so that you would be edified and edify one another and carry this out throughout the week, Monday through Saturday, all that stuff. But some of you don't some of you don't because either your sin is more valuable to you than god in christ himself or simply because the word of god is not important you value your truth over what god has revealed to you through his word i don't know how to share the gospel it's because we lack constant practice Well, it's just that I'm too busy. I think throughout the pages of history, everybody had something else to do, not just in 2020. Just because you're married, just because you got a job, just because you graduated college, just because you're about to graduate college, just because you got kids does not make you mature. Maybe it doesn't make you wise. Let's say it that way. Again, what does he say? For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. One of the things I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks is that in this season, all of the programs are closed. There's no kids ministry right now. Other churches don't have programs running. What is left? It is the Word of God and the people of God. Now, whether the people of God are actually carrying out the message of God proclaimed to them on Sunday, edified by it, so that they could take it out throughout the week, may or may not be happening. That's all that's left. The Word of God and the people of God. Some of you are unskilled because you lack constant practice when it comes to the word of God. So if you're gonna be shaped by it today, that might mean that, man, your Monday morning is nice, bright, and early as you start in the word of God. Not because pastor said so. Because uh, my hope is that you would love Jesus and his word more than anything else that it would be sweeter than honey and more precious than gold to you. And I wanna see more Bibles open because I want you hungry for the word of God. Apps and devotionals are cool, but part of the reason we rely on them is because we want someone else to do the sanctification for us. Open your Bibles, read God's word. You want clarity? Read God's word. You want to know what to do with the future? 1 Thessalonians 4 says, hey, here's God's will for your life. Your sanctification. It's literally it. It's two words. Your sanctification. Some people are like, no. Roll out my life for me, Jesus. No. No. Grow up. What the heck is? Why does all of this matter? When we take away the preaching of God's word, we remove the means by which he pours his grace out onto us. That's why it matters. If the word of God is the primary way by which he reveals himself to us, then his grace is the primary means by which he saves and sustains us. At the end of the day, church, I do not want to preach good advice. I want to preach good news. I do not want to preach, be a better version of yourself. I want to preach God's work in you through the Holy Spirit. I do not want to preach, love yourself. I want to preach, deny yourself. I don't want to preach that you are worthy because you are awesome, but that you are worthy because Jesus is for you. I don't want to preach, just try harder. Rather, I want to preach, repent and you will be forgiven and restored for it is by his grace that we are cleansed. So as we close up Christian may your delight be to desire the word of God more than gold and honey that if you find yourself confused and burdened then begin with the word of God this morning. The Lord Jesus says in his high priestly prayer that he was praying for you long before you even existed. Jesus is for you, Christian. He says so in his word. So what sin do you need to repent of this morning? What sin burdens you that keeps you from fixing your eyes on the Lord Jesus? repent, and be restored. And if you're not a Christian, super glad that you're here. Here's what I want you to know. The Word of God doesn't say everything about everything. It does say everything about what matters most, though. Additionally, you can't get mad at an author for not writing what they were not intending to write about. The word of God is about Jesus Christ who is prophesied from God himself in the Garden of Eden, proclaimed through the prophets in the Old Testament and entered into human history and lived the life that you and I cannot live, died the death that you and I deserve to die so that we would be reconciled to God the Father. You can come to know Jesus this morning and experience his grace, his pardon, and his forgiveness for you through Christ. Church, the word of God on Sunday matters because it is the primary means by which he reveals himself to us and pours his grace out onto his church. Let's pray. Lord, your word pierces through us in order to reveal the intention of our hearts. Your word pierces through us so that we would be met with the grace of your mercy. God, as we reflect on your word this morning, May we have the confidence to enter into your presence right now, to confess our sin before you and experience your grace and mercy. Lord, forgive us of our arrogance, of our neglect, of our dismissal of your word, of your church. Transform our hearts so that we would be made more like Jesus, so that we would be conformed into the image of Jesus. Whether in encouragement or conviction, may your word be a delight to our heart. May we walk out of this building edified and ready to preach the word in and out of season. May we walk out of this building encouraged and empowered to walk in a manner that is worthy of you. Lord, we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.